chapter number five of the campfire girls amid the snows this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c the campfire girls amid the snows by margaret vandercook chapter five molly's suggestion the trouble with betty ashton's foot was only a sprained ankle but it kept her confined for several days and gave her plenty of time for reflection she must of course pay her debts for she could not make up her mind to send back the things she had ordered self-denial and betty had very slight acquaintance with one another and besides the disappointment would not be hers alone but all of the sunrise campfire girls for the truth is that betty and polly together had written a campfire play setting forth some of the ideals of their organization and they wished to give the entertainment during christmas week in the most beautiful possible fashion of course in the beginning they had assured miss mcmurty who was still a kind of advisory guardian and miss dyer that everything would be very simple and inexpensive but naturally their ambitions grew with each passing day and with scenery and costumes to be bought besides the gifts and decorations for the campfire tree betty found herself very much involved as usual she was bearing the greater share of the expenses and then though no one outside the campfire club except dick ashton knew of it betty had been giving a part of her allowance each week so that esther clark might have singing lessons with the best possible teacher in woodford not that the relation between betty and esther had seriously changed the older girl still felt toward betty the same adoring and self-sacrificing devotion still considered her the most beautiful and charming person in the world and that her careless generosity lifted her above everyone else while though to do betty ashton credit she was entirely unconscious of it her attitude toward esther was just the least little bit condescending esther was so plain and awkward and particularly she lacked the birth and breeding betty considered so essential but then she was fond of her and did want esther to have her chance this chance she felt must lie in the cultivation of her beautiful voice so that when betty unable to make up her mind what had best be done determined to consult with the girls it was to her old friends molly and polly o'neill that she turned rather than to esther she had been unusually quiet one evening although insisting that her ankle was entirely well suddenly however she pled fatigue and with a little gesture 
which both girls understood as a signal asked that molly and polly come and help her get ready for bed when betty was finally undressed she sat bolt upright in her cot with her cheeks flushed and her gray eyes shining so unusually pretty did she appear that polly who never ceased to admire her even when she happened to be angry set a silver paper crown upon her head the crown was a part of their christmas stage property and not intended for betty but now polly stood a few feet away and clasped her hands together from sheer admiration while molly who was usually undemonstrative leaned over and kissed her friend's cheek before settling herself at the foot of the bed you certainly are lovely princess and so is molly for that matter polly exclaimed generously seating herself opposite her sister betty happened to be wearing a heavy blue silk dressing jacket over her gown and her auburn hair hung in two heavy braids one over each shoulder her forehead was low and she had delicate level brows but just now betty flushed scarlet and frowned for whatever her other faults she was not vain please don't call me princess polly dear she urged taking off her paper crown and surveying it rather ruefully because i am in truth only a paper princess to-night you have told me a hundred times polly child that you thought i ought to know the sensation of being poor like other people that i need it for my education well i do at last for i have bought a lot of things for christmas that i can't pay for as mother writes she can't let me have any extra money betty's expression however was not half so serious as that of her two friends as she made this confession for the girls had also heard the rumor which had troubled rose dyer in regard to mr ashton's possible change of fortune and knew that betty did not in the least understand the gravity of her mother's refusal polly positively shivered betty poor it was impossible to imagine yet what after all did the supposed loss of a few thousand dollars mean to a man of mr ashton's wealth polly patted betty's hand sympathetically debt is the most horrible thing in the world isn't it i haven't forgotten how i felt when i was in your debt last summer betty and took such a horrid way to get out of it maybe you had better send back what you have bought suggested the more practical molly making the same suggestion as their guardian but at this betty and polly glanced at one another despairingly give up making their campfire play a success for this is what it would mean should betty have to send back her purchases how much do you owe dear 
Polly next inquired in a crushed voice. And at this Betty drew the same sheets of complex figures out from under her pillow. It is a hundred and fifty dollars. I can't make it any less, she confessed. That sounds pretty dreadful, doesn't it? When you have not a single cent to pay with, though I never thought one hundred and fifty dollars so very much before. Of course, I could save something out of my allowance every month, but not very much, and father would not like me to ask people to wait. Can't you give up something besides the Christmas present from your mother which you were not going to have? Molly inquired so seriously and with such a horrified expression over the amount of her friend's indebtedness and such an entire disregard for the Irishness of her speech that both the other girls laughed in spite of their worry. Molly's pretty face showed no answering smiles in return nor did she take the least interest in the reason for their laughter for it was not her way to be interrupted by their perfectly idle merriment but haven't you betty she repeated and betty leaned her chin on her hands i have my piano she replied slowly but i can't sell that because then esther would have no chance to practice and we could never half enjoy our campfire songs without both the other girls shook their heads giving up the piano was out of the question for a moment longer there was silence and then betty's cheeks flushed again i have got some things i suppose i can part with though i rather hate to she confessed I don't know whether mother and father would like it, but then they would not like me being in debt. In a safety box in the bank in town I have some jewelry. I never wear because mother thinks it too handsome for a girl of my age. Father and Dick have given it to me at different times. I suppose somebody would tell me how to dispose of at least a part of it. And although both Polly and Molly at first strenuously objected to Betty's suggestion, it was finally decided that Betty and Polly should drive into Woodford on the following Saturday morning without saying anything to anyone else and bring the safety box back with them then they could talk the matter over and find out what betty could dispose of with the least regret her ankle was now well enough for her to make the trip in their sleigh without difficulty end of chapter five recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c